Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Dan Rockwood. This is Collateral Gaming with Collateral Cinema and Victims and Villains. Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it bongs, blunts, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And happy spooky month, everybody! I mean, we're uh, now getting towards the end of the month and uh man it is it has actually been a fun spooky season i've got with me here Bo from collateral cinema once again yo and yo mr dan from victims and villains hey dan it's been a while man how's it going it has i feel like i'm doing my contractually obligated like annual appearance on collateral gaming so uh <laughs> I, I think we have i think we have mul- multiple contracts with victims and villains like that <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we we get we get Josh on our uh, Christmas episode pretty much every year. So nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's been great. Like you mentioned, the spooky season. So I am Boston based. So Salem, Massachusetts, is not far from me, and uh, they take Halloween pretty seriously over here. So um, the traffic has been unbelievable as people are trying to pile in and do do all that stuff um but it's been a good season and we got some uh, some great games coming up this year so you know it's been been good for the gamers out here hell yeah man and uh what a pleasure it is to have you on the cast again man i mean i think the last thing we did together was i think that bonus round episode on zelda dungeons Yes, yes, that sounds uh, that sounds right. And thank you for so much for saying that I'm a pleasure to come on because every time I don't know, like, am I a good addition? Am I just being annoying? So um, I'm happy that you guys seem to enjoy it. <laughs> no, man, no, man. It's always a pleasure to have you. And uh, that's actually why I kind of wanted to approach you about some of the Zelda episodes we're doing later this season. Uh, and I'm happy you want to be a part of those as well. But uh, today we've got you on our Resident Evil 2 episode. Before we get into that, though, you know, maybe let our audience know, you know, what all you do with victims and villains, with your other works and uh, where we can find you, you know, promote your shit. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, I won't ramble on too long, but uh, yeah, I primarily do work over at uh, Victims and Villains with Captain Nostalgia over there, and they provide uh, and create a lot of really amazing content about really anything from pop culture. We do a lot of movie reviews, but I know um, they're really uh, promoting and creating more of like, you know, Marvel content with everything that's coming up from there. Um, And it's all designed around um, promoting uh, and helping with suicide prevention and suicide awareness um, and really just making sure 
sure that, you know, we're here to talk uh, games, movies, whatever it might be, but we are here to help get things like uh, resources into schools to help people who are struggling with depression and mental health and uh, just opening up the conversation a bit. And I've had uh, some really great experiences over there with Josh booking some amazing guests. We've talked to some psychologists. We've talked to people who have written some really amazing books about mental health and pop culture. Uh, and uh, it's been it's been really cool. It's been a way to combine, you know, my fandoms and the stuff I love with doing something that uh, hopefully helps other people and gives people something to uh, to listen to and, you know, resources to reach out to uh, if they need it. Uh, but in addition to that, that's where I do most of my podcasting on. Um, I am also a staff writer for a little website called techraptor.net. Mm-hmm. I actually just released, we're talking Resident Evil today. I just uploaded an article the other day about the newest Resident Evil 4 remake trailer that uh, was announced during the Resident Evil showcase uh, last week. And we, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that has been a, a fun ride too. And I get to go to some conventions for them and I get to talk with like game developers and stuff. So it's, uh, it's just been cool. It's been a, a lot of work in addition to my actual full-time day job, which is not podcasting and not video game related, but right. it's, uh, it does give me the flexibility to be able to come on and do this stuff, which has been cool. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much what I have been working on and, and where you can look me up and find me, uh, if you want to see any of the other stuff that i work on hell yeah man that's awesome yeah i mean we uh we interact on facebook from time to time and and so you know i I get a glimpse of of you know the stuff that you work on but i mean yeah it is uh it's actually pretty cool to be able to uh to get into you know the gaming world the the movie world the pop culture world and you know kind of just spin our own thoughts on this stuff in general, I feel like, especially this month, during the month of October, right, Bo? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a very horror-centric season, and, you know, a lot of podcasts, you know, they do the Halloween thing, you know, but and we're no exception, but, I mean, we make it a point to start our, well, over our collateral cinema, to start our season in October, you know, because that's just our bread and butter, you know? That's, <laughs> that's just, horror is just where it's at for us. I mean, we try to do multiple genres and everything but you know it always just kind of goes back to that and that's why october is just the perfect time for collateral cinema to start a season so yeah yeah actually and you know we we kind of start trying to start here like in september and then with collateral gaming but you know october is very close to the beginning of where we start and i think that 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 that's kind of good is that we sort of bookend the season with horror content what have you guys been playing lately this month uh it, what, what have you been playing dan so i had very uh good ambitions i would say to play through the original bioshock game this season um <laughs> That uh, that's not happening. And I'll tell you why it's not happening. Um, I've just been juggling a bunch of games at once right now. Usually I focus on one and I play through it to the end this year. That has not been the case. Um, A big reason if either of you guys have ever played Persona 5, uh, I am currently playing through that in real time. So the game follows the calendar, the annual calendar, uh, and I'm going day by day. So wow. 
that that <laughs> is every single day I am doing a uh, a check in on Persona Five. Uh, Overwatch Two just dropped, which um, you know Overwatch is definitely a guilty pleasure of mine. So I've been playing more of that. Uh, also free to play and available on cross platform, cross progression. So I downloaded it to everything that I own, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm playing it on PC and Xbox and PS5. And wow. I did try it on the Switch, and I will probably never play it on Switch again because <laughs> that, you know, does not run well on Switch, but it does run, so that's good. Um, and then just you know playing like you know jumping into Halo Infinite here and there, and just kind of doing some more. I guess I'd say casual like multiplayer, like jumping in and out. Um, so less on the horror side, but we do have, uh, you know, some really cool games coming up and we had mentioned the, uh, Resident Evil four remake is coming out really just like less than five months from now. Uh, so that is coming up on the horizon and I am so excited to, uh, check that game out. Um, but last Halloween I did do a, a Resident Evil 2 remake playthrough again, which um, that game, once you get it down, it's very easy to speed run it. And so I played it in like two sessions, I think. I got friends together and we uh, had all the cheat guns and unlimited ammo and everything. So we just breezed through it and uh, did that. Um, And that was a lot of fun. And I would like to do something like that this year. We'll see if I have some time for that. But that's, uh, yeah, that's a quick breakdown of what I've been playing anyways. What about you guys? Hell yeah. Well, uh, in addition to the Resi 2 remake, which I've been playing, you know, in preparation for this episode, uh, I also obviously played the original game quite a bit this month. Um, A little bit of uh, Resident Evil 1 remake, as well as Resident Evil Director's Cut, which we also did an episode on. Um, Mainly been been playing those games, played a little bit of Clock Tower, because that's going to be our next episode. Uh, That's going to be our Halloween special, so... Mainly uh, games I've been playing to have been horror games related to whatever we're doing on the show. But uh, I I think it's fun to be able to kind of, you know, juggle even those games and play something, you know, different every day. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much the same. I've been playing most all the Resident Evil games, you know, so far. And I mean, I think that, I mean, as far as the PlayStation Classic is concerned, you know, that's my main mode of gaming right there. Like, I guess every now and again, I've just been playing more arcade ROMs and everything. Like, I think the last one I did was uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which I would really like to live stream sometime. It'd be seriously, it'd yeah. be fun to live stream to live play that. I think we should do something whenever we we do the the TMNT movie episode later on Collateral Cinema. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that would be dope. But yeah, what else have you been playing, man? I mean, really, I'm. I mo- I actually watch a lot more gaming content on YouTube than I actually play games most of the time. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, once again, I, I watch The Librarian a lot. I mean, he's he's got some awesome uh, playthroughs of, like, Gmod maps and everything and horror games and whatnot and urban, explore- urban exploration and whatnot. So I highly recommend him. You know, I, I, I think I did on the last episode. But, hey, another plug, dude. Yeah, no so, shit. Yeah. That's more or less what I've been doing. Fuck yeah. Well, we'll get into Resi 2 here in just a little bit. Uh, One more thing I did want to mention because we were struggling for news with our last episode. And we did actually get a fair bit of news regarding both the uh, the Silent Hill and the Resident Evil franchises, which was cool. I mean, we had that uh, Silent Hill event that came up. We got announced a new uh, Silent Hill 2 remake, a, uh, a movie Return to Silent Hill, directed by the same director that did the original film, Christoph Gans. 
And we have three other Silent Hill-related projects. One that's called Silent Hill F, which was uh, done by the guy who did the Higurashi and Umineko uh, visual novels. We got also uh, Silent Hill Townfall, which is a brand new Silent Hill game, and as well uh, Silent Hill. What else was it? F. No, we talked about F. Yeah, that one is the most interesting to me out of all of them. Like, I mean, I, I already saw a video uh, not too long ago that kind of uh, had a breakdown of all the symbolism that was present in that, and it was really, really fascinating. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to go to some really dark places in that game. That sounds amazing. I am completely blind to the Silent Hill franchise. I just never had a console growing up that it was available on, um, and then... I just uh, never played, and I want to play it, so I'm extremely excited for like the Silent Hill 2 remake to be coming. That will honestly probably be my first dive into the series. If I can find the original like PS1 game, I would definitely love to uh, to jump into that. But the announcement at the same time... So guys, I'm a little concerned about myself. I think mm. I wield a uh, a power that no no person should have. And that's because about a year ago... I wrote an article about the dangers of video game acquisitions and how it's not necessarily a good thing. Like a week after that article was posted, Microsoft announced the Activision Blizzard deal. Uh, and now, <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> like two weeks ago, I wrote like, where can I play Silent Hill in October? Where is Silent Hill? And I published it and then they had this event and now we're getting all this new Silent Hill content. So I guess if there's like a game you guys want to see, just tell me about it. I'll write about it and it'll be announced like pretty much right away. So that seems to be the trend so far. Nice. That's fucking dope, man. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, how, how about a new Conker's Bad Fur Day remake or something like that? Yes, <laughs> there we go. yes please. Yeah, how about something like that? Hey guys, you know what would be a great idea? Conquer's Bad Fur Day remake. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, do do it better than they did on the Xbox 360. <laughs> I think that's what we need. Like, put all other projects on hold and just devote all the resources to that, please. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, we also got Silent Hill Ascension. That's what I was trying to look up earlier. Uh, Silent Hill Ascension, which is I think like a like a live experience or something. Yeah, yeah. It all it's it's like a kind of like I guess like Pokemon Go kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, isn't there a God of War Ascension? I think so. Like, yeah. is, is this going to be like a, a crossover, like a Silent Hill God of War thing? You know, know, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> That's, that sounds amazing, honestly. <laughs> I would love Kratos to show up in Silent Hill and just wreak some havoc. Seriously. Oh, God. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Kratos wrecks all the gods. Yeah, so could, could you yeah. imagine what Silent Hill would conjure up for him <laughs> in the other world? It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, Silent Hill 2 remake, I'm really excited about. And the new Silent Hill movie. I think that those are going to be... I'm just really I'm really excited because I love what they've done with uh, the more recent remakes of classic survival horror games. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. And uh, yeah, yeah, Silent Hill 2 remake looks like it's going to be cool. And, and it's also just been fun to be part of like the meme community for some of these things. Uh, we did also get a Resident Evil showcase, which basically just, I think, showcased stuff we already knew was coming out. So we got more Resident Evil 4 remake footage, and uh, I, I think uh, they talked a little bit about the Winter's expansion coming out this month. 
Yeah, so that Winter's Expansion, I believe, is coming out the same day as Bayonetta 3, which is really funny to me because I've been so excited for Bayonetta 3, but now it's like, well, I'm not playing that on release day, probably. Like, I am so much more excited for this Resident Evil expansion, Uh, and I'll I'll get to Bayonetta. I will play and give Bayonetta the respect that that game deserves, but uh, yeah, Resident Evil, just on my personal tier, that's got to come first for me. Oh, man, that's a bit of gaming news we also ha- kind of missed before. Uh, yeah, the Bayonetta 3 thing. I- I've been sort of following that and the exchanges on Twitter, and that is just a whole other controversy that honestly will probably get a discussion at some point somewhere. Yeah, that- that's a whole other can yeah. of bullshit. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, yeah. I'm in a couple like Nintendo groups on Facebook, and it's just all that people are posting about. Like, it's it's been pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Well... Let's go ahead and let's get into Resident Evil 2 2019. So this is the remake of Resident Evil 2, the original 1998 video game. We covered it in part one. So if you haven't listened to that, I recommend that before this episode. And uh, yeah, this is this is the remake made on uh, today's consoles, PS4, Xbox. Uh, I think it's on the PS5 as well, PS, P- PC. So you can play this wherever. Uh, Dan, you approached me and said that you were you were excited and actually requested to be on this episode. So what's your experience with Resident Evil Two? I'm curious. So, and I know you guys had done an episode about the original Resident Evil Two, which I had played a tiny bit of uh, back in the late '90s, but never really got into it. I never owned it, and so this remake really was for me my first opportunity to play through this story and see everything it had to offer. And man, I I love it. It's just so well done. They rebuilt it from the ground up. Um, I really like. There's a part of me that likes the old school like tank controls and the fixed uh, camera angles. But now having the over the shoulder action, be able to shoot and walk at the same time uh, and just things that they didn't have 20 or more years ago. It's just really cool. And the game setting is one of my favorites, like this police station that's just overrun with zombies and monsters. It's uh, it's fantastic. And I had a really, really great time with this remake. And really, it's um having not played the original, my appreciation of this game is pretty new. It came out in 2019. So that's when I really experienced it all the way through, but it is my go-to whenever I want to put on like something, you know, survival horror, something that I'm familiar with. And I really highly recommend, especially resident evil fans. If like you haven't played resident evil Two remake, it is uh, so well done and definitely worth your time. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, Bo, you've played the original game extensively. Now, you haven't gotten as far into the Resi 2 remake, but we did play, I did watch you play it while we were preparing for this episode. What are your thoughts on this? Well, not only that, but I also did go ahead and sit down and just say fuck it and watch a five hour playthrough of Leon's scenario. Right, right. Honestly, I really think that it is a close approximation to the experience that I had with Resident Evil 2 back in the day. You know, it, it really kind of, I mean, just that whole modernization just really, you know, kind of uh, brought out some of the darker elements of the uh, of the environments, of the story. And also it made for, and, and uh, like revamping the actual combat and everything. It made for more tactical uh, action, you know, like like you can actually kind of clear rooms in this game, you know, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting. 
And I mean, I like the uh, design of all the zombies, and uh, honestly, the gore is very well rendered and well done in this. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, that one, uh, that one uh, RPD officer, he just gets uh, bisected. It's just like it's real visceral at times, yes. very <laughs> visceral, even more so than the original game in many ways. And that was a very bloody game. Yeah, no, with, with today's technology, I mean, they're just able to really just take this game and, and, and put it under a microscope, and you just really get a look at the graphic detail. I think Resident Evil 2 Remake, I'm just going to go ahead and start with with my overall thoughts on this, because I've alluded to it previously on the podcast, but I think it's superior in almost every way than the original game, except for the second run slash B scenario, which we will be talking about, because that was that's my only one big gripe with this game, and the only thing that keeps it from really trumping it, but I still gotta say, even with that considered, I think this is my favorite Resident Evil game. I mean, I'd like to kind of go back and play through Biohazard all the way, play through Village again, play every scenario of, you know, the Resident Evil remake before I really can, can say that for sure. But I mean, just from what I've played and I've played through both the uh, Chris uh, or sorry, <laughs> Chris, I've played through, <laughs> I've played through both the Leon and Claire playthroughs. In fact, I did Claire a, cause that's what, what, what was originally canon in the RE2 1998 game. Uh, and then I did Leon's second run. And that's what I played so far. I've also started a, a Leon A playthrough or Leon first run playthrough uh, in hardcore mode. <laughs> and that is a <laughs> whole other difficulty level as well. We'll talk about that. But um, yeah, no, I think that this game is incredible. I love what they've done in uh, reimagining the story of RE2 and then just upgrading the experience in every conceivable way. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely agreed. And and not having played like this scenario be the second run through on the original game, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that. But I, I would like like I feel like I don't see this enough in games and I would kind of like it because Resident Evil 2 sets it up in a way where Claire and Leon will run into each other like periodically throughout the story and you never really understand like what the other one is doing, uh, which is it it's usually mm. like fine, but then it gets really weird toward the end of the game where you're in a place that the other character has no business being in. Uh, and also there's a child there and you're like, what is what? Why are you here? And then it, <laughs> it just it makes you or it made me be like, well, I got to go play this other like run through. I need to know what this character has been up to. So I love how the characters and those stories like intersect at key points. Um, and then there are like, I believe there's the uh, there's an office in the police station that your character A can never get into, but your character B is able to get into. So there are like different, uh, you know, different things and different things you can explore like that. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's a holdover from the zapping system that they utilize in the original game, right? You know, yeah. yeah, where you have like scenario A, scenario B, and you can play, you can actually play each one inversely, and you know, it could uh, give you a different uh, experience each game. Yeah, so. I, I guess. Well, yeah, let's start. Let's actually, I'm going to start with the bad. I think that this is this is actually a really good place to start because it only goes uphill from there. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the original game, you had the zapping system. So what you did in one scenario affected the other. If you took a weapon in A, it wouldn't be available for the character in B. 
Also, A and B fought different bosses, so it made sense. Unlike Resident Evil 1, where you had Chris and Jill, which were alternate versions of it, of, of events, neither of which were canon, because there is no canon scenario in Resi 1. The difference with the B scenario and the original Resident Evil 2 was that it was what w- the other character was up to during the events of what you just played. And then you had two more playthroughs to go through. So I've played through all four scenarios of the original Resident Evil 2, and I can tell you that they're all four different experiences. This is where Capcom really let down, let me down with Resident Evil 2 Remake because the second run actually ends up facing the same bosses and hitting most of the same story beats as the first run. Just, yeah. just the character-specific differences. So it's really not all that different from just having the two scenarios. Why are there four if the second run is not really all that different from the first run, you should have just had the two if that's what you were going for. And, you know, you just lose that continuity. There's no more zapping system. And uh, you'll you'll fight, not only fight the same boss twice, but you'll watch a character die in the first scenario and then watch the same character die in a different way inexplicably in the second run. Wow. And it's like, these events can't coincide. And that's fine because, you know, again, in the original Resident Evil 1, they didn't. But why make a second run if you weren't willing to go all the way and, and do the B scenario properly? Yeah, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me either. I mean, especially since that was arguably like the best and most innovative part of the original game. You right. Know? I mean, it, it's it's really what made it a... It, it was a selling point, you know, and you would think that with uh, all the new technology that went into this game, it's like they could have uh, made made an even more nuanced version of that. Right. Exactly. That makes sense. And I I like um, having not experienced like the original. Like, I honestly, I had not heard of like the zapping system, but I I mean, that makes sense. Right. Like if you're going to have these characters coincide, that just makes sense the way they should do it. Uh, it is funny to me that, yeah, like Capcom basically rebuilt this game from the ground up, but then didn't put the care and attention into that part of the game uh, to bring over some of those elements. Yeah, and that's really my one big gripe with this game. And at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal because, I mean, the game in itself is phenomenal. I just, it, it makes me wish that there was a version that had had a second run that was a little bit more like the B scenario in Resi 2 because it, it just, that's kind of what, what increases a lot of the replayability factors of the original game. And of course, this game does a number of things as well to to. Uh, increase the replayability I mean because they still brought back the fourth survivor and the tofu survivor mode and I think there's even other tofu you can unlock oh yeah we, we need to get a little <laughs> deeper into that because that is like so funny to me and like you know, a little bit playing on uh, different difficulty settings so there's hardcore and then um, you know getting like the s rank on every and if you get an s rank on hardcore and you only save three times and you don't use any infinite weapons then you get an s plus rank wow yeah, okay. yeah, which n- none of which I'm close to ever doing, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that that uh, takes a level of skill that takes a lot, lots of playthroughs, you know, to just memorize everything and just know what's coming from where. Yeah, you know. But I think, given how much time you you can you can spend with this game and how many how many times you can go through the scenarios, even without having a proper second run scenario, I think there's still a lot to work with here. There's two different characters, two different 
styles of the plot that you can go through for each character and you can unlock you know infinite weapons you can unlock the infinite knife things like that you can you can find all the easter eggs and then um you know and just really get to know this game like the back of your hand because i think that's where this game really uh succeeds in, in the same way that the original did i might i add is that you know it's that sense of when you first walk into the rpd you don't really know you know where you're at you, it's very easy to get lost but spend a few minutes in the game and start, you know, moving from one area and back to another area and then, you know, back again to another area. You really get to start to know that area like the back of your hand, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and I mean, I am glad that they more or less stuck with the original layout of the uh of the RPD, like for instance, cuz I mean, that's about as far as I got into it, but anyway, like, but they really added to the layout in a way that made a lot of sense. Like, like how they re how they redesigned the uh, main hall was interesting to me. Like, I mean, it, it's actually a much larger space than it was in the original game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how the game goes out of its way to explain to you that the RPD is a like renovated art museum. Like, it used to be a museum, and that's why there are all these crazy sculptures and like secret passages and other stuff that's in there. Right. Uh, which is so funny to me. Like they didn't like, it's a video game. I honestly probably would have just accepted it at face value, but I like having that little bit of detail and the map really does build out nicely in your head as you're going through and figuring out this maze. And the thing that it does too, cause not that I'm a completionist in games, but I do like to try to not leave anything behind. So I love that the rooms on your map will show up red if there's still like a secret to be found there and then they'll clear blue once you have gotten everything in that room so you can go and clear room to room and resident evil village also took that holdover to yeah. show you uh especially in like the castle and the the factory and the other areas you explore you can make sure you're clearing each room that you want um so that that was like a cool aspect of that and yeah, knowing, uh, you know, understanding the map is is important as you're going to get into some sticky situations that you're going to need to make quick exits from to uh, be able to stay alive. Yeah, I love that the modern Resident Evil games actually do include that. I think that's something that the the Silent Hill games actually did as well back in the day is actually uh, they had a map that actually uh, changed as you... Uh, as you progress through the game and, and in resident evil case evil's case it's as simple as you know if if there's a room that you haven't collected everything like you said it's still red if you if but if once you search through it you know it changes color and that way you actually know okay i've gotten everything there is to do in this room one thing i've also noticed in resi 2 remake in particular is that uh they if you see an item in, in, in game, it'll also show up on the map. You'll get a little icon of that item. And so that's really cool too, because it's like, let's say your hands were too full, your inventory didn't have space for some herbs that you left on the ground or some extra ammunition or uh, sub weapons or, or even a key item. Well, now you can, you look on the map and see, okay, that's what's in that room. And you know that you can go back to go get it, which is cool. So a lot of just quality of life improvements like that really really sell this one as as an improvement over the original and kind of like what you were saying Bo you know with the uh more modern style of gameplay and presentation you know you've got that over the shoulder camera that's more dynamic as opposed to the fixed camera angles that allows you to explore horror almost in a different dimension because while the fixed camera angles were effective at creating horror in the in the original Resident Evil games moving that out of the way 
allows you to, like you said, approach the game from a tactical angle, but you can still find other ways to uh, surprise the player. I mean, a zombie can still grab you from behind and fuck the shit out of you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Or, you know, the lighting is, is fucked with a little bit. So where, you know, you might not see that crawler walking across the ceiling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely adheres to that modern horror game aesthetic of, you know, a dark room and a uh, and a flashlight. You know, it's, it's very common nowadays in this genre, but it, it's utilized really well here. Like, especially when you're, you're talking about like the liquors, you know, like like the liquors, they can pretty much climb anywhere. So, I mean, having that effect and then just all of a sudden you just shine your flashlight and you just see that glistening, slimy flesh. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, crap, you know. Right. You're like, shit. And you kind of have to approach that situation and think, you know, do I have enough ammo to take care of this thing or should I try to just get past it right now? Yeah. And yeah. And thankfully, they, they're completely blind. So, I mean, if you're if you're quiet enough and this was the same in the original game, if you're quiet enough, you can sneak around them. Right. Like enemies like that, you can. And, you know, even whenever you're walking through a room and you see a bunch of zombies and you think, okay, well, I can weave through these ones pretty easily. It's not as narrow a corridor here. But then you think, oh, wait, there's this giant stalking monster, Mr. X, and I can hear his, th- his footsteps two rooms over. Maybe I ought to clear these zombies out so that, you know, he if, if I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, I don't, you know, I yeah. don't get fucked over. Because that's another thing that the remake has done and I really wanted to touch on was the uh, the Mr. X encounters. The the tyrant yeah. returns in, in Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, he actually shows up a lot earlier on, showing up actually in the first run scenario this time. And he is genuinely upgraded in every way. Yeah, I uh, so somehow this is something that never got spoiled for me. So it was a complete surprise. And if you remember when he introduces, it's after a, a helicopter crashes. And I believe he like shoves the wreckage out of the way and yes. walks through the, the flames to get to you. And then me not knowing like I didn't know who this guy was or what was happening. I just start unloading with him up with my gun and nothing is affecting him. So it's like, oh, I think I just need to run. And so that's what I do. And I distinctly remember I had had a party that night. People went home. And so I like pulled up my recliner chair right up close to the TV. I'm going to play some Resident Evil 2. It's like two in the morning. And then Mr. X comes in like five minutes in. And I'm like, why did I choose to do this right now for this scenario. <laughs> like I was genuinely, I was prepared for zombies. I was not prepared for this like hulking giant man beast to just chase after me and the music changes and it would get stressful. Eventually after like being captured by him multiple times, I realized, and this is where building the map in your head works. I would memorize just how to get back to the main hall and then i would always lead mr x back there because once you're in the main hall you can just run in a circle and lead him and get enough of a lead to then sneak away and and get away so that was my strategy for dealing with him pretty much anytime he would show up yeah no that's actually an effective strategy i i use that a lot too is like once i got to the main hall i actually felt safe because Mm -hmm. You know, even though it's not technically a save room, um, it, it is an easy, it is a wide open area. And so, you know, even if Mr. X follows you in there, you know, you can give him the run around pretty quickly. Because I think unless you agitate him, he never comes running at you. He's just always that that straight march towards you. And, and I think that that's what makes it so horrifying is that he's an enemy that is fairly easy to outrun. 
but he's just so menacing and your first thought might be if you don't know anything about the game or have never played the original you know is is that you know you should take him down he's like a boss but no you can't take him down and in the original game you actually could if you shot him you know and in, in, in ahead enough times or you fired enough pumped enough ammunition into him he would go down and then he would be gone uh and the entire time you were in that room, you got an extra item from him and he wouldn't show up until his next scripted encounter. In this mm. game, that's not the case. If you pump enough ammunition to him in him, you can stop him for a few seconds and that's it. But it's better in almost every scenario to just run away. So he's kind of a, a carryover from, you know, Nemesis in Resident Evil 3. He's been given that treatment or... I, I wouldn't say it's a carryover given that it's from the second game. Nemesis was in the third game. Well, this you is know, the but remake th- this of the is, second game. Yeah, but th- uh, in the Resident Evil 2, I mean, Mr. X was pretty much the precursor to Nemesis. This is true. Like, very yeah. much so. And, I mean, yeah, Nemesis was pretty much just like Mr. X on steroids with a lot more biomass on him and everything. So, I mean, yeah, it it also kind of uh, was the first time that you saw this whole trope of, like, Resident Evil having this ginormous, implacable man thing coming after you, you know? And that's something that uh, they eventually kind of brought back in the uh, newer games a little bit, especially like like Lady Dimitrescu. Right. So I was going to say he's also, you know, kind of a, a carryover from uh, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, which is uh, uh, Jack Baker and the rest of the Baker family. But also they did it in, in, in Village with, with uh, Lady Dimitrescu. So I like that they have in several Resident Evil games this type of character because I think it makes the experience much more terrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, when you have something that just literally cannot be defeated and is just always coming after you, it really ramps up the anxiety for this game. And I think one of my favorite details is if Mr. X is in a room adjacent to you, you can hear his footsteps through the walls. So you know that he's nearby and you know that if you go through the wrong door or make noise, he will uh, he'll come barging in and be coming after you. Yeah, I love that, you know, he actually is attracted by noise. And if you look at some of the videos of, like, how he behaves off camera, you can even see this at work. Because he's all, always consistently, uh, as long as he's within rendering distance, he's always consistently stalking you and searching for you. If he doesn't know where you're at, if he's not immediately pursuing you, he's opening up every door. And he reacts to sound. So if you fire a gunshot, you know, and and, and try to kill some zombies, he'll come running if he's if he's within you know that the the distance of you to hear that and i hear that the longer he goes without finding you he's programmed to become more sensitive to things like that <laughs> wow yeah to sources <laughs> of noise cool. so and you know like like uh, as is the case with most of these types of, of enemies in, in Resident Evil games, he can't follow you into save rooms. In fact, there are even other rooms that he can't follow you into. And once you learn what those are, you can kind of, you can kind of work around it, and you know. But it is always a persistent threat. You think, okay, well, he, I can hear his footsteps. I need, I need to see where, which direction he goes, so I know, like, I'm going to take this route instead. <laughs> and, it, and it's how you start to get to know areas like the RPD. Um, and I feel like that, again, like in the original game, that is the most effective part of this game is the, are the sections that you spend in the RPD and most particularly the sections you spend with Mr. X. Mm-hmm. Y- you kind of have to plan. You know, you think, I- I've got to go grab this item from this room, but 
there come the tyrant's footsteps. Shit, I can't go do that right now. <laughs> yeah, and there are certain rooms that I feel like were built for dealing with him, like the room with uh, all the lockers that you need to collect the uh, the security codes for. Uh-huh. Those um, that room is like it's a, a big u shape uh except it goes all the way around so i guess a big circle is is what that shape would be um but you can lure him in there and then kind of run around and be able to get to the exit while he's still coming around the other side so there are some areas that seem to be designed with him in mind to kind of give you a little bit of a break if you need it yeah that's true yeah yeah And, and then there are just certain places that for some reason he won't enter like the star's office or the clock tower uh or i think the interrogation room yeah, I, maybe that one. I don't really remember. He does actually have a, a random encounter if you go into the press room or in the hallway adjacent or on the other side of it. He'll do uh, actually the same thing he does in the original game where he just bursts through the wall. <laughs> and that is terrifying. Like, you don't even hear him. You didn't even think he was nearby. And then all of a sudden, boom, and he comes all the way the fuck out, out, of, out of the wall. And you're like, shit, what the fuck? <laughs> and I love how the characters actually respond to that in this game. Like when you listen to Claire or Leon, uh, they consistently have responses to things like that. Like when they see Mr. X and they're like, you know, or, or whenever they're, uh, I remember playing as Claire and trying to headshot a zombie and, you know, they start saying shit like, come on, you bastard. Every time they come back up. And <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> If there's one thing that I hope we get held over in the Resident Evil 4 remake coming up in March, there's a moment in the beginning of the game where after the intro village sequence, uh, the church bells start ringing and everyone, uh, all the enemies are going away. They're being called away. And uh, Leon has this line where he goes, where's everyone going? Bingo. And it's just (laughs) such a dumb dumb cheesy line that i hope to god they keep it in in the remake because i want the remake to be completely like serious and and dark and atmospheric and and everything that they're doing with it but still keep dialogue like that because uh it'd be a really nice juxtaposition and i'd be really sad to see that line go god i hope so because like i think that's like my only problem with the resi one remake is that they they took out the jill sandwich line yeah, that was always really, really tragic. I'm just like, come on, guys. It's like, that's like Barry's best line, his most memorable line. Yeah, with the better graphics and, and just better technology, they're able to portray the story of this game much more seriously. And and I, and I do agree that it's a lot darker. In fact, actually, it is visually darker. The RPD in particular was actually darkened up quite a bit. Most of the lights are dimmed or turned off in areas, unlike in the original game. Yeah, it almost has this kind of uh, urban exploration vibe to it. You know, it feels like you're you really are coming up on a, a police station that's been abandoned for a few years, but I mean, it's it's just been ransacked by this fucking zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, I really actually enjoy the the touch that they did with the atmosphere in this one. I think atmospherically, it also is just a, a a lot better, actually. Yeah. Resident Evil nails atmosphere, especially in two. And the lighting, especially, I mean, you're talking about the darkening of, a, of the police station. Um, I love something about lighting in games when it's done well. And Leon uh, or Claire using their flashlight to explore and just like look around corners and those like really dark corners of the game. Like it's so well and nothing is like you know, coming up on, on a hall that looks empty, but then you get further down it and your light like illuminates a zombie that starts like walking toward you. Like this game does those moments really well. And it's a really, uh, just a really great example of like, you know, the horror genre done right in a game. 
Yeah, and, and going back to how you can uh, move tac- uh, tactically throughout the hallways, it, th- that's really, really amplified when you're in your uh, shooting position and you have the light and everything. Yeah. And you're just slowly creeping down the hall, just clearing it, and then you're just slicing around the corner, and then you just uh, see that zombie. And then it's just like, oh, shit. Dun, 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 dun. It's yeah. like, I mean, it really, really amps up that, uh, that vibe of, you know, just total surprise. You know, it'll take you by surprise. Yeah, and the ability to freely aim, I think, really also uh, enhances the combat for me because, you know, in any encounter that you're in, you can decide to approach it more strategically. I mean, in the classic games, you could, you know, for instance, aim up to aim at their head or aim down to aim at them while they're on the ground or aim at their legs. In this game, though, that's kind of been given uh, just a lot more freedom. I mean, you can go and actually try to kneecap them or, or take one of their arms off. And if you shoot off a limb, they won't use that limb. It actually comes off. So in a lot of situations, it may be more worth it to just kneecap them and move on because a zombie on the ground is a lot less of a threat, even if you have to come back to that room later. I like how it makes like the knife more of a, a versatile weapon as well. If you're able to incapacitate them and then finish them off with the knife, it allows you to save some ammo and uh, keep going. Yeah, it is. Although for me, uh, knives were hard to keep on me because they're used as sub weapons, and you can retrieve them if if you uh, if you kill the zombie. But it does significantly decrease the durability. So like, I was constantly running out of knives because I was constantly <laughs> getting caught by zombies the first time I played this. Damn it. But, you know, the sub-weapons are back. I think uh, uh, Resi 1 Remake had them too, but they've actually been combined. So you're, the knife that you use as a sub-weapon is the same knife that you use to attack with. Uh, and mm-hmm. you can also throw the grenades or throw the flashbangs whenever you get those. Yeah, yeah. Flashbangs were an interesting addition to this game, actually. You know, and, and once again, going back to the more tactical gameplay, yeah. you know, like you can you can uh, throw a flashbang in there, like confuse a bunch of zombies and then you could either like maybe run past them or just pick them off. So, yeah. And unlike in the original game, ammo seems to be a lot more scarce in this one, which was one of my only complaints with the 1998 game was it was almost too easy, even in standard difficulty. Like I just didn't have a lot of issue finding ink ribbons and finding ammo in this game. A- a- ammo is, is pretty scarce at times. Yeah, especially if you're uh, playing through Claire's playthrough and she just has that little five-shot revolver. It's like, oh, oh man, yeah. it's like not only do you have low ammo capacity, it's like, I mean, coupled with the scarcity, I mean, you just run through ammo quickly. Oh, okay, here's the part where we talk about the guns. Go ahead, guys, because <laughs> I, I, I've heard, you know, I, I know Bo's a gun guy, and, and Dan, you said that you were an enthusiast as well. So what do you guys think about the guns? Oh, there's so many interesting guns in this, like... Like for one, uh, they have a uh, they have an M nineteen eleven actually uh, an M nineteen eleven A one, like a, like pretty much an old uh, almost like a uh, what's what do they call it Palmetto Arms or something like that or or Rock Rockford Arms or something like that. Mm. I mean, they 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 also have the uh, Beretta Samurai Edge from the original game. Of course, got to have yeah. the Samurai Edge. Uh, William Birkin, he carries a uh, Glock 19. That's what him and his wife uses. A Glock 19, that's a gun that I carry, actually. It says right here, Hunk likes to use the Heckler & Koch USP-9, which is just a, like it's a two-tone uh, hammer-fired uh, 9mm pistol. It's a, I mean, a good little duty gun, I guess, you know? 
And yeah, here's the uh, revolver that Claire was using. It's a Smith and Wesson bodyguard. It's just a little snub nose. I mean, normally it's like a 38 special, but this is for some reason a nine millimeter. Like I'm not not really sure wh- how. I was gonna say, yeah, if yeah. it's a bodyguard, like th- those guns are tiny. They're not a very big, big caliber at all. No, no, not at all, not at all. They do have the Smith and Wesson model uh, 329 PD as well. That's uh, let's see, chambered in uh, 38 special, I believe. Or it might be the uh, 45. Oh, they even have a Ruger Blackhawk in this game, which is which is very interesting. That's a single action army. It's like it's like an old school gun where you have to you absolutely have to cock the uh, hammer before you fire it every time. Mm-hmm. It's not like double action where you can pull the trigger and the uh, and, and the hammer goes back and everything. So, and. Uh- I Go like ahead. that the uh, the samurai models in this game. I mean, based off of the the Beretta, um, Beretta and and Bo, you might know this having some firearms knowledge, but they're one of the oldest uh, firearms manufacturers. I mean, they've been around since the 1500s. The company. Oh and yeah, yeah. The the gun, especially. I mean, if there's one like identifiable handgun from movies, it's the Beretta. It's what uh, John McClane carries in Die Hard. Um, Hell yeah. It's just. It's it's not only is it recognizable and it looks cool as hell on screen, um, but it's also the way it's designed. And this is more of like a, you know, a movie making like behind the scenes type thing. But I have read and I have heard that that firearm, when it comes to, um, you know, the the shell ejecting uh, and the uh, just like the smoke coming out of it, like it's much easier to operate that that gun and make it look good on screen compared to some of the others that you might work with, which is why uh, the Beretta is such a, a popular model and why I'm, I'm happy to see it in this game. Um, and, uh, and they can be powerful, uh, you know, definitely good for going up against zombies with. Oh, definitely. I mean, especially with the uh, ammo capacity and, and whatnot. I mean, and, and with the, uh, and also, also, it doesn't have like really, really bad recoil, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually carried uh, for the longest time a uh, Beretta Nano, a BU nine. That's like the more subcompact pistol. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, it always had a real snappy recoil to it. That I really liked. I mean, but then again, that was more of a uh, striker fired gun instead of a hammer fired gun. Like a lot of the classic Berettas are hammer fire. So. I think the uh, the Samurai Edge Beretta is uh, you can only get it if you achieve an S rank or if you pre-ordered the game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And from what I understand, they have uh, not only uh, Wesker's model, but they also have uh, Chris's and uh, Jill's model of Samurai Edge in this game as well, which is interesting. Oh, nice. That is. What's your mom like? She works at Umbrella. So where's your dad? He, um... He's gone. So nobody knows what caused this? There's a lot of theories. But all I know for sure is that this place is crawling with zombies. Leon. Get down! Come on! I'll be there! I'm sure you beat me here. By the way, rumor has it goes straight to your underground lab. Lab? You gotta be kidding me. Get off of me! 
hell out of here before it's too late. What's going on here? Sorry, that information's classified. Seems to be evolving much faster than expected. Nobody cares about that. They want to know about the G virus. What exactly are you looking for? More info on the people responsible for this mess. What the? I swear, you bastard, if you hurt her. Identify yourself. Stop! You'll never get the G virus! Sherry, come on! It's so funny. So when I uh, I was talking with a friend of mine and I was looking at all of the list of the unlockable weapons and unlimited ammo and the number of like ranks you need to get and quickly how fast you can clear the game. And it's like, you know, when I was uh, in fifth grade, when I picked up Resident Evil on GameCube, I, uh, I played that game like 12, 13 times through. I unlocked everything. I got that game down to under three hours. Like I knew that game super well like i have a full-time job now like i've i've got other things to do i can't just play a game over and over that doesn't stop me from playing games in general but i just i kind of jump from game to game and so yeah i'm telling my friend this and he tells me yeah like i didn't have time for that either so i just bought like i paid for the dlc pack that basically unlocks all of that stuff and there's just silence as I listened to what he told me, because I didn't know this existed. And I'm like, you, you what? You can just pay for this? So I went into the PlayStation store. And sure enough, for $5, everything that would have taken me like 30 plus hours to unlock, you could just get for five bucks. And I'm like, you know what? I I I will pay $5 to save myself that time because I just want to enjoy these guns. I don't want to become like an S-ranked Resident Evil master player just to be able to run around with an unlimited ammo like submachine gun. That's that's not what I want to do. Well, I, I think that, that that's actually there's a good balance there. You know, it's like people whine about microtransactions, but I think it's okay as long as there's another way to uh, unlock that item. So let's totally. say, and also, obviously this does not going to apply to multiplayer games because there's a whole other element that you have to add to there when you think of that. But I don't even play those a lot anyway, but which, with, you know, single player games like this, you know, having the ability to either play through the game a certain number of times to get something like the classic Resident Evil experience, or like you said, because I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm probably not going to pick up RE2 for another year or two, if that, you know, because I'm going to be busy with whatever we're playing next on the podcast. It's like, yeah. if I could pay five bucks to get it all, that's cool. I mean, we don't since since we don't really use cheat codes anymore, and, and in the past, that's kind of how you would have gotten around things like that. Yeah, definitely. And I and God damn it, I miss cheat codes so much. It's like those were always the most fun part of gaming back in the day. Oh man, that's how we did uh, GoldenEye. We really started to enjoy GoldenEye when we just put cheat codes in. I don't were there cheat codes in the original Resident Evil games? No, it was just really the unlockables more than anything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or if you had a Game Shark or something, I you, think you could load some stuff in. But definitely. Yeah, yeah. Other than that. Definitely with a Game Shark. That's true. Yeah, I remember the days of Game Shark and Action Replay. 
Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Back on the GameCube and shit. Yeah. I remember Game Genie. That's that's even <laughs> that's even further back. Man, we are aging ourselves. That's okay, though. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny to me with, uh, like, so many... I mean, Resident Evil, I feel like, used to be locked on certain consoles, like, way back when the game originally had come out. Um, Nowadays, it feels like almost any modern console can be a Resident Evil machine if you want it to be. Um, I own almost every game on my PlayStation. I know Nintendo Switch, surprisingly, you can play most of them and they've now just released um i believe seven and potentially eight as as part of cloud versions yeah Uh, and i think they did announce cloud versions of two and three remake yeah that's right so it's like yeah so switch players can now play that um not positive if the cloud versions are going to run super well but it's cool that that option is there uh and you know more than anything is a commentary on how we need better uh, internet infrastructure to be able to run those types of things um but Yeah, Resident Evil 2, it's so funny to me because I noticed a trend um, with Silent Hill 2, which we were talking about earlier, where a lot of people say that, like, you know, the original sets up the lore, sets up the world, but the second game in the series is really where things start to take off. Uh, And, yeah, Resident Evil 2 just embodies that in every way. Like, I feel like it builds on the original and just improves, like, every single element of it and makes it just a really fantastic standalone game to the point where if someone wanted to were to ask me, you know, can I play Resident Evil 2 without one or zero uh, or any of the others, I would say, yeah, I mean, if you love Resident Evil, definitely play those other games. But Resident Evil 2 can stand alone as its own title and you're not going to lose any enjoyment from it. No, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, and especially with what they've done with Resident Evil 2 uh, 2019 is just making the game a lot more accessible, improving it in almost every way uh, and and, then bringing it to, you know, a modern audience. I mean, I like what they've done with uh, just turning the game into a more strategic, tactical game. I like what they've done with, you know, the story uh, taking itself a little bit more seriously, the atmosphere being darker uh, and, and just being able to explore locations like the RPD uh, or even the sewers or the laboratory, which have been expanded uh, from their original incarnations. And and that's actually especially helpful with the later locations because, you know, they were always kind of the fastest part of the game. And now they've been given just a little bit more length. If you're playing as Leon, uh, I'm, the tyrant actually shows up in some of the other uh, areas uh, in scripted, uh, scripted points. Yeah. So, you know, it just adds another level of terror throughout the game. I love what they've done with that. Uh, And if it's not enough of a challenge for you, try out hardcore mode because (laughs) hardcore mode, man, is kicking my ass. Um, And I don't know that I'll actually, you know, play through that all the way anytime soon. But uh, I I was starting to get through, you know, like the... uh, I'd gone all the way up actually to the first boss, to, to the G1 fight uh, in hardcore, but they reintroduced the ink ribbons and ammo is a lot more scarce. Oh, yeah. Zombies become bullet sponges and just take a lot more to take down. And they can also bring you down to danger with just one attack. Damn mm-hmm. it. That pisses me off so much, man. <laughs> it is so much harder. Um, and you start to actually think, okay, maybe I just actually need to leave these guys alive. You know, but then you think, oh, well, oh, wait, here's Mr. X. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, don't even, I don't even know if I want to go through that. Jesus. 
No, I would love to see the different like iterations of how to play this game, like, you know, no kill runs of zombies and just like escaping and running around. Um, I'm pretty sure there are people maybe not in Resident Evil 2, but in some of the other games, like you could do a knife only run if you want to. And the original game there are. I don't know if anyone's done one of this one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. But yeah, it's um, I, I, I got to agree with Bo. I feel like uh, uh, hardcore would just make me mad if I'm trying to go through that. It's rough. But, you know, it, again, it, there's a lot of playability there if you have the time to pump into this game. And, you know, you could easily pour uh, hundreds of hours into this, I think. And, and I honestly oh, yeah. wouldn't mind it if I had the time to do it because it's a fantastic experience through and through. Uh, I will say you'll never really be able to experience the areas again for the first time like 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 you you know like you do during your first playthrough. I mean there that's just kind of an experience that is never replicated again unless I guess you wait several years to play this until you forget. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I just uh, went on YouTube right now and there are all kinds of playthroughs with all kinds of interesting stipulations like Here's one, uh, Leon, first scenario, hardcore, S+, plus, no damage, no knife, console strats. And uh, <laughs> here, here's one, Leon, first scenario, hardcore, hardcore, handgun only, no save, no damage, no item box, S rank, PS4 Pro. <laughs> it's wow. like what the fuck man yeah. it's like these... people are insane that's like how i feel when i watch speedrunners who literally commit their life to playing one game and focusing on that game and trying to get their run down as quick as possible and that is a cool thing that resident evil 2 allows you to do my first playthrough of this game was around 11 hours you can beat it in under three pretty easily uh if you know where you're going and just connect the dots of the order in which things need to be done and don't waste time with like combat you can speed run it and it's designed to be done that way but you do need to make a lot of connections in your own head before you're able to do that because you need to just know okay in the police station you know i go to this room and then over here and then i need to go up to this floor uh and i just i have not learned the game that well but it's designed in a way that allows you to do that if that's how you want to play it yeah i love that about resident evil is that you know the games are are actually are designed for speed running but they're also designed to confuse the fuck out of you the first time you play yes it's a matter of just learning the game like the back of your hand and, and being able to, to know, you know, what you need to have in your inventory before you go through. I mean, that's something, you know, I, I still struggle with every time I, I turn the game on, even having completed through the, the first and second runs one time. You know, it's you, you still don't know everything that's going to happen. And uh, and it's hard to keep track of it. But I, I love that you can actually approach the game in that logical way that appeals to me, you know, that there's an efficient way to play this. Absolutely. Um, I feel like the I mean, there's many locations in this game. We've talked about the police station a lot, but there is that the sewer section. There's uh-huh. uh, when you're playing through scenario B, there's the um, like the orphanage that you can visit and go to, which I thought was especially cool because in scenario A and one of the loading screens, it talks about 
um, there's like a, a location shows up for the orphanage and it tells you about it. And it's like, oh, I wonder when I'm going to go there. And then you never do. you got to play scenario B to go there. Um, there's the weird lab underground that you need to go like visit and uh, and work through. So there's a lot of really cool areas where it starts out. I mean, the game literally in the beginning, you're in a gas station, like a gas station convenience store. Yeah. And that's where things get really kicked off. And then just the, uh, the different like diversity of the different areas you go to has just been like super cool um because resident evil one yeah the locations were uh pretty varied but they were all within the mansion uh so it's nice getting outside of that a bit and kind of seeing what the rest of the city is like yeah actually the orphanage that you mentioned i believe that's an element specifically to claire's story Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's what that is then. Yeah. 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 Whereas, so so Claire has the Sherry section, and uh, and Leon has the Ada section, just like in the original game. Uh, and I gotta say, playing as Ada is a lot better than playing as Sherry, uh, because you can actually shoot things and you can hack things. She's got a cool hacking ability. It's just, and there, you even uh, the tyrant pops up. So I actually enjoy the the uh, the Ada segments a lot more than the Sherry, but the Sherry ones are actually better here than they were in the original. It's not just dodging enemies. It, they actually added kind of a like a whole stealth part of the game where you play as her at the orphanage, and that, act, that part is actually kind of fun. Oh wow, I, I had no idea. I mean, of, of course, I haven't gotten that far in this game, but yeah, that's an interesting addition, though. Yeah, yeah, they turn it into yeah. just like a whole stealth encounter. It's cool. Hmm. The uh, the Ada section specifically is really funny and also frustrating. Um, the last time I played through this game, I had some friends over. It was still during like COVID quarantine. So we set up a projector on my deck and we were watching it and, and playing it out there and swapping the controller back and forth. And um, we had uh, the cheat codes on. So we had like all the great guns and all the unlimited ammo. And we were, you know, just kicking ass throughout the game. The cheats do not apply to Ada. So oh, when no. we got oh, to our first it. section of the game and all of a sudden we had like, you know, one gun and limited ammo and we were just like we might have been playing it on a harder difficulty too and so all of a sudden between the three of us we just kept getting our asses kicked and i think we gave up and i was like all right i need to just play this like myself another time to get past this and then we'll retake over with like all our upgraded stuff so that was a funny and unexpected outcome of playing through the game with cheat codes Nice. Wow. Well, the Ada section <laughs> actually is a little bit tough because they only give you so much ammo during that section. So, yes, you can shoot zombies, but you don't actually have enough ammo to take them all out, I don't think. Yeah. There are parts of this game that are that are very, very difficult. Um, I, I found myself frustrated at times throwing the fucking controller, you know, but it, it really just adds to the tension. And just, you know, when, once you overcome that boss that's giving you a lot of trouble, there's a sense of of triumph uh, that I think Resident Evil uh, really delivers on in a lot of their games. I like that there's a, cause like the liquors you can confront or you can just walk by really quietly and avoid them. Zombies, same way. They're not going to be super fast. You can try and avoid those if you want to. Um, I think one of the enemies that gave me some of the hardest difficulty was 
the area where you are like the plants have overtaken and so you need to get the uh, the chemical to remove the um like the plant overgrowth mm-hmm. and so there are enemies that are just like t virus infused or maybe it's g virus uh but the plants have like come alive and they've become humanoid and uh yeah bullets um don't work super well against them so you need to uh to bat them down with like your grenade launcher or something else just to try and burn them. And I definitely used up a lot of ammo during that part of the game. Well, yeah, the, the, uh, the plant enemies, I think only actually permanently go down if you burn them. So if you Mm -hmm. use flame rounds or a flamethrower, but, uh, yeah. And then one other aspect of this game that I actually really wanted to touch on too, before we get into our final thoughts here, um, that really adds to the survival horror experience to me, but also just the frustration, uh, were the fact that, there's no clear indication when zombies are dead, dead in the original game, there'd be a little pool of blood. And then you knew, okay, the zombie is actually down. He's not coming up. Right. Some areas it was harder to tell. And so you kind of had to wait and see, or maybe waste a shot on them on the ground just to check in this game. All the rules don't apply. A zombie can be laying on the ground and they don't come up the rest of the time you're in that room. And then you go somewhere else and you come back and that motherfucker (laughs) raises back up to give you more trouble. God damn it. And it was just another element of surprise that just really gets you. That's like, oh, fuck. Now this guy's in the room with me. And yeah, I I just love how it just constantly kept you guessing. You would think that that guy was dead, but he wasn't. Surprise. Damn it, man. Yeah. I mean, there was some instances in the original game where that could happen but not nearly to that degree right like but not even near closely at all right and that's what i love about it and the zombies can follow you from room to room because there are no more loading screens anymore the entire map is loaded at once uh even at the detriment of your ps4 if you had one that was heavily dusted like mine (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i remember the it says it sounded like a wind turbine coming out of that thing man jesus oh yeah you might feel with the removal of the the door loading animations that some of that classic Resident Evil experience is gone, but I beg to differ. I think with with being able to just seamlessly move from one area to the next, you know, just allows them to kind of pace out the the uh, the tension wherever they want to in a room. And in you know, I I love that it's kind of more streamlined like that. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, it does make for a less janky gaming experience. You know, I mean. I'll always love those animations from back in the day. I mean, I think that is so uniquely Resident Evil, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the modern gaming, you know, uh, sphere or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean... But it also allows for things where, like, zombies can follow you through rooms. Another element that makes the game more terrifying is that, you know, you might think that you've ditched this guy, but he'll actually come crashing through a little bit later. He'll take a while to break down the door, but he'll eventually do it. Yeah, and and I remember in Resident Evil 2... They, uh, something that they came up with is that sometimes you would open up a door and then randomly zombies would be there. They just come after you, you yeah. know, like they would actually come through the door. Like, so they tried to do something like that in like Resi, Resi 2 and Resi 3 a little bit, but uh, yeah, not nearly as uh, terrifying as this, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that they can come through, and they can all come through at once. And now in this one small room where you thought you were safe, you've got a horde of zombies coming after you from the library. Oh, man, I had that happen mm-hmm. a few times uh, when I was playing last night. It was just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Just, just constantly trying to run away from them. Yeah, but there's just, like, not enough room to maneuver. And it's like, uh yeah, it's it's tough. You really have to plan it out and think, you know, let me check my map and see where what route I'm going to need to take to get out of here cuz I don't have enough ammo to take care of these guys. Yeah. It definitely gets uh it gets claustrophobic at times for sure. And uh man, this is motivating me to jump back into this game and and play it. And I know uh several months ago, I think back in June was when they officially announced the PS5 upgrades for 2, 3 and 7, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And I I have not uh dived into those yet, so I'm going to have to download those uh those upgrades and uh see how the game runs on PS5 because I bet it uh it's really great. Yeah, I bet it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, this game is actually what pushed me to finally open up my fucking PS4 and clean it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I remember you had it all in pieces, all out on your uh, kitchen table and everything. Damn yeah, <laughs> because they load the entire area at once, um, it, it, it it does push your console to its limits. And so the, ca- the fan on my machine was just kicking up, and then eventually mm-hmm. the machine would overheat, and I'd have to stop playing for a little while, and it was terrible. And it's like some games do that. Resident Evil 2 Remake is one of them. But yeah. uh, once I cleaned it out, I mean, the fans would kick on during this game because it's just a resource-intensive game, but it wouldn't shut down, and it wouldn't be, wasn't nearly as loud as it was before. <laughs> Now, were were you running a, a base PS4 or yes. PS4 Pro? Yeah. Oh man, base. <laughs> that is, you know, what I am amazed at is the fact that in a few weeks, uh, there are people out there who are going to be running God of War Ragnarok on base PS4s that were purchased in 2013. Me. Oh man, you you should do an episode on how it runs and. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about it. Is. It's it's one of our episodes set for. Uh, from uh, end of November, and we're gonna we're gonna actually do part two in December as the holiday special. So that way we can do spoiler free in November, and then you know go into full spoilers in the part two section. Amazing! I will be looking forward to uh, to giving that a listen because yeah, it's uh, you know definitely excited for that game. Not Resident Evil, but a huge uh, huge PlayStation title to uh, end out the year with. Hell yeah! Well, we're getting towards the end of this episode. I think we'll wrap things up here in a bit. But let's start with our final thoughts on Resident Evil 2 2019, starting with our guest, Mr. Dan Rockwood. Go ahead. So this is one of my all-time favorite Resident Evil games, uh, arguably one of my favorite games ever. It's just so well done. It's so much fun. I've played through it um, twice and will likely play through it. Uh, again and again it's one of those games that i feel like i could pick up every year and just do a playthrough every year and and be happy with that uh so yeah it's uh it's just great and i would really love to see other games get a similar type of treatment and we're even seeing this used as a benchmark now when games are being re-released or remade um i know when silent hill uh the two remake was announced people are saying like oh you know it's getting the resident evil 2 remake treatment um so to be able to just nail it so well and have this like benchmark come in for what a game can be uh, I think that's really cool, and and the team just knocked it out of the park with this one, and uh, and I'm really excited to see you know both what other remakes are going to 
uh, happen and and what new games we'll see. The big thing that I want is take Resident Evil 2 and fully redo the original Resident Evil game in that style because uh, that's something with like the over-the-shoulder perspective. Um, I think that game could benefit a lot from adding those elements. Yes! Uh, so, yeah. I thought oh, the yeah. exact same thing, man, actually. Uh, <laughs> a re-remake, if you will. <laughs> yes, the re-remake, the RE re-remake would be, uh, would be great. Uh, but, yeah, man, I love this game it's great thank you guys for having me on to talk about this because uh, yeah as, as much fun as i have playing it I'm, I'm having a ton of fun talking about it so uh definitely highly recommended if uh you've listened to this far and haven't checked this game out yet definitely worth checking out hell yeah man uh, what about you Poe? now even though i didn't really get too deep into this game i mean i, I did watch a playthrough of leon's scenario and everything Actually, playing the game, it was a real treat, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the the uh, characters are a lot more, you know, human, you know? Like Claire and Leon, I mean, they're still still really, really fun characters to this day, and, and especially in this game. Um, I mean, the tactical combat is uh, definitely a plus, and it, just seeing seeing all those iconic you know moments in the original game just kind of expanded upon here was was also a real treat which is really cool because i mean the original resident evil 2 it was such an expansion of the original concept even back then on the playstation 1 and everything and uh, to see them uh, all these years later go back to Resident Evil 2 and expand even further on it, you know, like gameplay wise, uh, like graphics wise and everything, story wise, even I, I think that the story is even a little tighter here, even though it's practically the same. Right. It has uh, some beats that are a little tighter than the original. But yeah, I would like to play more of this. I. Like I said, I didn't get too far into it, but just just even exploring RPD is just a lot of fun. And, you know, just seeing how they reinterpreted the uh, experience of playing the original game was really, really interesting. And I would really like to get a little deeper into it. So, yeah, I'm interested uh, going forward into like eventually beating the game. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. I definitely recommend that it, you know, even if you don't actually complete everything that this game has to offer, which I don't know that I ever will, finish the game, at least finish through a set of scenarios. Uh, given that the differences between the first and run, second run aren't really that severe, it's not really necessary to play both, you know, Claire A, Leon B, then Leon B, Leon A, Claire B. You don't have to do all of that. You can kind of get away with just the two if you want to experience the what this game is. But if you love it and you have the time to pump into it, definitely, there is a lot to do. Like any Resident Evil game, I think, you know, just, just the prospect of being able to play in subsequent playthroughs with, you know, the infinite weapons and whatnot... There, there's a kind of an alert of that and all the extra difficulty modes. I mean, we didn't even talk about there's a there's a ghost survivors mode, which are these kind of additional what if scenarios that I haven't even tried yet that uh, just kind of like 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 the one girl that the the chief irons was exper- was uh, experimenting on or, or he killed or whatever the fuck he was doing with her. Yeah, that was the mayor's daughter, the mayor's yeah. daughter. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a scenario where you play as her. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And another where you yeah. play as uh, Kendo, actually. Oh, that's badass, man. I mean, Kendo, he he was the shit in the original game. 
You know, like he was just like, oh, sorry, babe. <laughs> he has one of the more heartbreaking scenes. I mean, oh, he so it. heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, when oh. he goes, you know, as a father myself, that just really. <sighs> mm, yeah, yeah, that 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 yeah. sucked. That sucked. But and it, it and I, I was wondering what they were going to do with Kendo and that, and it, I didn't expect them to do that. Yeah. That was like whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, that really tugged at my heartstrings. Just when he, he closes the door and you hear the shot, and you're like, "Fuck!" And you really got—I love moments like that in the story. You know, as for my final thoughts, I mean, I think that this is a near perfect remake. Like I said, just the one thing that detracts from it is that the second run isn't, you know, the same thing that the B scenario was in the original game. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I guess the only thing that really frustrates me with that is that they they start to kind of go that way when you start the second run they start to kind of make it work with it it's just, it feels like they just kind of ran out of development time and they're like okay well we'll just make the rest basically the same as you would for this character scenario and i guess that's the only part that's disappointing but that still doesn't keep this from being at present time my my favorite resident evil game yeah definitely <laughs> i think it, it really viscerally you know creates that atmosphere it's got me pumped for the resident evil 4 remake um, I heard that with as good as a job that they did giving giving uh, Mr. X the Nemesis treatment, that they really fucked up Nemesis and Resident Evil 3 remake. So kind of disappointed to hear that. But I'll play through that game as well. Oh, man, that's a yeah. damn shame, man. Nemesis was like the best part of you know Resident Evil 3. Um, obviously, he was one of the titular characters in that. But, I mean, that was such a cool uh, part of Resi 3. So if, if they fucked it up, it's like, God, God damn it, Capcom. <laughs> What the fuck, man? That's another situation where I had not played the original Resident Evil 3. I did play the remake. I I enjoyed it, but I have nothing to compare it to. And I know a lot of people were frustrated with it. So it feels like they just nailed it with two and then didn't quite get the same degree of perfection when it came to three. Yeah, and I think because the game's uh, development were so close together, because I think it was 2 Remake and then Village and then 3 Remake, I think all within like a year of each other, practically. That, that uh, yeah, that like they even had like a different team of developers working on it. But the Resident Evil 4 remake looks promising. I love that they're even just despite the fact that we're, you know, we are we know we're getting a more grounded experience, they're still willing to have some of those cheesy jump the shark moments. Like I saw him, I saw motherfucking Leon S. Kennedy parry a goddamn chainsaw <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they, they're bringing. <laughs> They're bringing all that back. Hell yeah. Yeah. My favorite moment from that trailer is definitely him going up against a chainsaw with his knife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I scrubbed through because I wrote up that article about that trailer. I rewatched it so many times and was like going frame by frame at points, like trying to pick out stuff. It, uh, it was a lot of fun. We have a lot to look forward to for 2023. Yeah, I, I think I need to, to check that out because, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the uh, trailer and the gameplay footage that we've gotten so far is a lot of fun. Uh, and, and yeah, I think it might end up being my first time playing through the Resi 4 unless before we do it, I decide to play through the original. So yeah, that, I th- I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. And as well as whatever they do with Resident Evil 9, you know, if that mm-hmm. ever, uh, whenever we get knowledge of that, about that, I thought maybe the showcase might be the perfect time to introduce it, but we'll see. Yeah, a little bit more stuff with Village. They got that DLC and then we'll be moving into 9. Um, which I thought the story that they're doing with like the winter's expansion, I expected that to be resident evil nine, right there. They're doing more like the expanded story content, which makes sense. So we'll see where the series goes from here. I'm definitely curious about it. Fuck. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, man, uh, Dan, uh, where can our listeners find you? Plug your shit. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Well, you can uh, check over at Tech Raptor for articles I write over there. You can take a listen over at Victims and Villains. You can follow them uh, on Facebook, Twitter, find their podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, and again, we do a lot of really great uh, mental health support content, um, helping with suicide prevention, suicide awareness, and making sure we are doing what we can there. Uh, and if you just want to follow me personally, you can find me over on Twitter at DRock64. I just retweet a lot of video game personalities and occasionally write my own somewhat funny stuff that sometimes lands, sometimes doesn't. You'll have to see which is which uh, by following me over there. Uh, and uh, yeah, Ash, thanks for the opportunity to, to come on and talk about this episode. This has been a great time. Yeah, no problem, man. And I'm looking forward to having you on our uh, Link Between Worlds episode, uh, which we're doing yeah. in December, as well as Tears of the Kingdom, which will be our finale. We already announced that because, you know, I was just way too excited about New Zelda game. New Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That, uh, man, I'm over the wall. But, yeah, it's always great having you on, man. And, you know, speaking of victims and villains, I mean, we have always had, you know, both Collateral Gaming and Cinema have had a, a, a good relationship with that podcast. I mean, we come on, you know, to the live streams every time there's a there's an event around. And, you know, we, we uh, interact with each other's podcasts, guest hosts on each other's episodes. And so it's always been a lot of fun. I mean, with Collateral Cinema, like Bo mentioned earlier, uh, Josh does the uh, holiday episode with us uh, every year. Yeah, at least for the last two or three years now. Yeah. So, so yep. yeah, it's it's actually been pretty cool, and it's been awesome having uh you know Dan you having you on these episodes as well, and yeah, well you're welcome on anytime, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, and I'm happy to hear about the holiday episode. That's actually brings me back to probably 2016, where I was doing a podcast, uh, my own podcast at the time with my co-host, and we met up. Um, Josh and I got uh, got connected somehow on online, and we he said, "Oh, we're doing a holiday episode. Do you want to do a crossover?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." And then, you know, lo and behold, eventually my podcast kind of ended up sunsetting and ending, uh, and then Josh just kind of adopted me into the victims and villains <laughs> family. Uh, and you know, then it's like I'm you know, a, a good, uh, a fun guest host over there, you know, when we're able and, and doing more stuff. Uh, and now I, you know, I cross over with you guys too. So I'm kind of that person where it's like, I don't really have my own podcast. I just come on to other people's and talk <laughs> and have fun. And, uh, it's cool. Cause it's all the fun and all the, you know, social parts of it, uh, and none of the responsibility. So that's where, uh, where I hang right here. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds nice. Damn it. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Uh, and Bo, since uh, this is a joint Collateral Cinema episode, what's going on with Collateral Cinema? Well, we will have our Halloween Ends review out at least by Halloween, if not the Halloween Eve. We'll have that done. Um, I believe we are going to do a uh, director's cut collaboration with the bonus round right. on uh, Resident Evil, the first Paul W.S. Anderson movie, and also the Welcome to Raccoon City movie that was recently released. Yeah. That, that'll be a lot of fun. And we are going to do a commentary before the end of the month. Um, I'm thinking maybe something related to the Halloween franchise. That's yeah, since thinking. we're doing Halloween ends, you know that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like may, may, maybe we'll have uh, maybe we'll have Robert bring over Curse of Michael Myers or something like that. We'll do that, yeah. like ha Halloween Six or something like that. But yeah, and then in November we've got uh, the Goonies and Rocky Two coming up. So yeah, look for that and our our socials our. Uh, 
on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah, uh, we actually already recorded the Halloween Ends episode, so for sure that we should have that out by Halloween Day. Uh, on Collateral Gaming, we are going to be doing uh, Clock Tower, the actually the original Super Famicom one, because we talked about the PS1 on the uh, the bonus round already. So uh, I'm actually excited about that. Uh, in the spirit of Resident Evil, we also did a, a, a bonus round episode, uh, but was on that as well on uh, Resident Evil Director's Cut. And again, if you hadn't listened to part one of the Resident Evil 2 episode, we did cover the original game. So uh, that's kind of all of our spooky month content coming out uh, next month. We will be doing Stray and then a spoiler free game launch edition on uh, review of uh, the new God of War game. Nice. That's going to be awesome. And, and that is probably the game I've been waiting most for this, my most anticipated game this year. So it's going to be a really fun time. And then uh, moving into the holiday season um, is going to be actually our Zelda month. That's going to be kind of a thing from now on. We're talking about Link Between Worlds for our numbered episodes. And then our holiday special will be part two of uh, God of War Ragnarok, where we can get into full spoiler territory. So that's just kind of what the rest of the year is looking like. And so far, season five of Collateral Gaming is looking to be a blast. Oh, that's awesome. Hell yeah. But And if you want to support us, you can check out our Patreon. We have uh, $1 and $5 tiers. You can donate any amount of money and get access to our exclusive Let's Play video game commentaries. On the Collateral Cinema side, uh, all of the same applies for full-length movie commentaries. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we have full-length movie commentaries on the Collateral Cinema uh, Patreon. So join us there at uh, $1 and $5 tiers. We're going to start adding uh, different content to that very soon. Like we might do uh, live stream Q&As there. Like we're going to do some uh, public, but also some special uh, Patreon ones. Once we get maybe like, I don't know, 20 uh, Patreon followers, uh, you know, regularly donating and everything. Uh, and it, we also might start uh, publishing our main episodes on there early, like maybe at least a few days early. So if you want exclusive access to that, once again, uh, $1 or $5 tiers, you, you might even get a, a shout out in one of our episodes. So, yeah, uh, join us there. Hell yeah. You know, with the uh, Collateral Gaming, since my Elgato Game Capture device failed on me, the, uh, the, the Patreon content has been a little bit slowed down. But... You donate any amount of money, you get to see everything we've produced so far, and I might have a way of recording through the PlayStation's interface. Um, possibly. I know that sometimes they block certain scenes and whatnot, so we'll work it out and see if there's any way. And then as soon as I get some money together, we'll uh, get a new game capture device. And yeah, the sky's the limit as far as commentaries go. Uh, if there's interest, we'll do them. But yeah, it's been a great episode. Again, thanks, Dan, for being on. Bo, thanks for, for being a, such an active part of this season. Oh, definitely. I'm having a lot of fun doing these uh, these reviews of games that kind of tie into uh, my love of retro gaming. And, you know, like we did Final Fantasy VII as the season premiere and then uh, talked about the remake. So, yeah, it was only fitting that I come on here and talk about all these old Resident Evil games. So, and uh, I should be joining you for the Clock Tower one, right? Yeah, for the Clock Tower one. Uh, we've got a few other episodes this season that uh, I know you wanted to be on, including the the 420 episode. So, 
Yeah, that's going to be the uh, fighting game episode, right? No, 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 no. What is that one? Our fighting game episode is going to be our our, uh, our anniversary special. Oh, sweet. Uh, for awesome. 420, we are doing Conquerors Bad Fur Day. Oh, that's right. Conquerors. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, give us a new remake of Conquerors Bad Fur Day. Seriously. Get on it, Rare. But, yeah, thank you guys for being on. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or feedback on your platform of choice. Same uh, same for us as well, Collateral Cinema. And uh, you can find Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube. If we're, there's somewhere where we're not, let us know, and we will endeavor to be on that platform. You can also check us out on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, I think that's about all there is left to plug. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think we got through everything. Well, that being said, I've been Ashley Chancellor. I was allegedly Bo Maddox, but I'm not entirely sure. And I am still Dan Rockwood? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Collateral Gaming. We are out. Out.
Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.